The Productive Woman, Episode 341. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome and thank you for joining me. In this episode, we're going to talk about some things I've learned about how to be happy and why being happy is relevant to productivity. You'll find links to some resources I mentioned and additional information in the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 341. This episode is brought to you by our longtime sponsor, Text Expander. Wherever you do your typing, you can keep it consistent and accurate with Text Expander, both for yourself and for the teams that you're part of if you share this wonderful tool that I have been using to increase my productivity for many years. In our fast-paced world, things change constantly in business and in life, and errors in messaging can often have significant consequences for our businesses and the organizations that we're part of. Text Expander lets you make new approved messaging available to every team member instantly with just a few keystrokes, ensuring your team and its messaging remains consistent, current, and accurate. Get your message right every time. Expand content that corrects your spelling and keeps your language consistent with just a few keystrokes. Your team members will consistently know the right message for the right person at the right time without relying on memory or copy and paste. As I've said before, Text Expander is a tool that I have used for several years, long before they became a sponsor of this podcast. I use it on my computer, in my legal practice, in the work I do for The Productive Woman, and pretty much everything I type. I have snippets created for everything to be consistent and to be correct in the things that I type. I recommend Text Expander without reservation, regardless of what platforms you work on. And if you listen to this podcast, you can get 20% off your first year of Text Expander by visiting textexpander.com/podcast. That's where you can learn more about how Text Expander works, how it can help you and your team be more productive and get 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com/podcast and be sure and let them know that the productive woman sent you. All right, let's get into our topic. I wanted to talk about happiness. It's been on my mind, uh, partly because of just, you know, the way life has been for the last year. As I'm recording this, we have been dealing with the pandemic for a little more than a year. We have been dealing with various kinds of lockdowns and shutdowns and changes in the world that, uh, there have been a lot of conversations about how that's affected us as people and our ability to be happy. And even beyond just that, uh, I've been thinking about it because of conversations I've had with different women about their own situations and their, their goal of being happier. 
and my own experience in that. And so I thought I would talk about how to be happy, how we can be happier in our lives. And I, as I often do, I like to start with understanding our terms. So what does it mean to be happy? Uh, I looked it up in the dictionary. Happy is feeling or showing pleasure or contentment. Um, that's being happy, having a sense of confidence in or satisfaction with a person, an arrangement or a situation. So those are a couple of the dictionary definitions of being happy or of happiness. According to Wikipedia, and I'm quoting here, the term happiness is used in the context of mental or emotional states, including positive or pleasant emotions ranging from contentment to intense joy. It is also used in the context of life satisfaction, subjective well-being, flourishing, and just general well-being. And according to Wikipedia, since the 1960s, happiness research has been a thing. It's been conducted in a wide variety of scientific disciplines. So this is a subject of scientific study, the concept of happiness. And so we, when we think about being happy, we think about feeling or showing pleasure or contentment in our situation, in our circumstances, in our life, in, with the people, with ourselves, we can be happy in a lot of different contexts. And I should say in deciding to address this topic, I want to make it clear that I don't believe we should expect to feel happy every minute of every day. We live in the real world hard things happen, sad things happen. We need and choose to do things that aren't fun, that maybe we, it would be easy to not be happy about. And the truth is happiness really only has meaning in a world where we experience sadness and disappointment and anger and all those other emotions that we might identify as negative. Happiness doesn't mean anything if those other things aren't part of our lives. So when I'm talking about being happy, I'm not talking about creating a world where every minute we feel, you know, bouncy and upbeat and joyous. I'm talking about creating a life in which I, I guess our baseline is happiness, that pleasure or contentment, where when hard or sad things happen, we're able to process those things, feel those feelings, and then rebound back to that baseline happiness. I'm talking about creating a life where generally we find joy and peace and contentment in our day-to-day -day lives. Not necessarily that feeling every minute of every day, but the general sense of our lives is that joy and that peace and that contentment, that happiness. I think it's also important, uh, and I, I ran across this after I had kind of created my, my list or my outline of things that I do or want to do to be happier. I, I started doing some research and I ran across an article from the New York Times called how to be happy. And as a side note, there are tons of articles about how to be happy or called how to be happy. And I'm going to link to several of them in the show notes in case you want to dig in a little deeper uh, with me on this. Uh, they, they are, there are some great articles out there with 
suggestions for how we can be happier. But in this New York Times article, um, the writer said something that I thought was so important. And that is this, and I'm, I'm quoting from the article now, happiness isn't something that just happens to you. Everyone has the power to make small changes in our behavior, our surroundings, and our relationships that, that can help set us on course for a happier life. And I just think that's so important. And that's, I guess, why I wanted to talk about this and do an episode about it, because we want to be happy. We talk about it. You know, in, in the United States, we have some foundational documents for our society, for our nation that talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is something we as human beings go after, but it's important to keep in mind that, as this article says, happiness isn't something that just happens to you. There are things we need to do and can do to make our lives happier, to help us to be happier in our life. The other thing I wanted is sort of um, a little bit of context or background for this topic is to just mention why is it relevant to productivity? Well, there are a couple of reasons that come to mind as I thought about it. When we talk on this podcast about being productive, we're talking about getting things done that are important to us, of course, but we're also talking about ordering our lives in such a way as to, um, you know, have a positive impact on the world. And we're talking about making a life that matters as each of us defines it for herself. And happiness is relevant to productivity in all of those senses. Our life will be more meaningful. It will matter, uh, in some cases to the extent that we are happy in our lives. And we are able to accomplish more if we are happy. Happy people are more productive in all those senses. Uh, there's an uh, Inc. INC magazine article called 10 Scientifically Proven Ways to Be Incredibly Happy. And this is one of the articles that I'll link to in the show notes. And I encourage you to, to read it. There's some interesting stuff in there. But one of the conclusions from this article is, and here I'm quoting, uh, the, the writer of that article says, probably the best way to be more productive is to just be happier. Happy people accomplish more. And I think that that makes sense to us when we are feeling down or discouraged or even depressed, it's hard to get, be, get motivated to do anything, right? So it makes sense that when we are happy, that any of us, happy people accomplish more. And so if one of your objectives is to accomplish more, being more happy will help you do that. So let's talk about how to be happy. Some things we can do since we've just, you know, we've learned happiness isn't something that just happens to us. We can take proactive action to be happier. Uh, let's talk about some of those things. The first thing that I thought about in, in terms of being happy, and this really is, uh, I thought about it in the context of my own life, uh, how I could be more happy, how I have gotten happier as I've gotten older is to learn to understand and accept who you are. I think trying to be someone you're not is maybe the surest way to be 
unhappy at a very deep and very permanent level. And so learning to understand yourself, getting to know yourself, telling yourself the truth about who you are in the world and accepting who that is, uh, is a key to being happy in the broader sense. Now, this doesn't mean you can't recognize that you have weaknesses and flaws and, and that you can't try to improve, but part of getting to know yourself, understanding yourself and accepting yourself is learning the difference between say personality types and flaws. I think it's very important. We have many of us a tendency to see our sort of innate characteristics uh, and our personality as being a flaw, that there's something wrong with us. And I think it's so important to get beyond that, to understand who you are just, you know, at a, at a personality level and accept who that person is. So for instance, introversion is not a character flaw. Um, some of us feel like it is. I'm an introvert. I need time alone. I, and what's wrong with me? I, I should want to be more with people. Well, introversion is not a character flaw. It's simply a personality characteristic. And for those of you who are introverts and who have felt like that's a flaw that you need to overcome, I encourage you to check out Susan Cain's fascinating book called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World that Can't Stop Talking. It's really eye-opening and encouraging for those of us who are introverts, but also very informative for the people in our lives who are extroverts and don't understand what introversion is and how much it can benefit the society as a whole. So uh, that's just one example of uh, learning who you are and accepting and celebrating who you are rather than identifying your personal characteristics as flaws. We all want to grow and improve and be better each day, but it's real important, as I said, to understand the difference between personality types and flaws and not um, criticize yourself for being who you are. So get to know yourself, figure out what makes you tick, what motivates you, what makes you smile. I know that I am very motivated to not disappoint other people. I am uh, very motivated to help other people. And so I can get very um, energetic and very energized by an opportunity to do something to help another person. And so I know that about myself. Uh, I, I'm also motivated by other things, but learning about those sorts of things about yourself, what makes you smile? What makes you laugh? Uh, all those things are important to know about yourself. Figure out what those things are that motivate you, that make you smile, that make you feel joyful and build more of those things into your life. Part of learning to understand and accept who you are, how that can help you to be happier is that you can then begin to intentionally create an environment that honors who you are, that feeds the person that you are instead of the person that you think you ought to be. So that 
environment involves the activities that make you smile, that make you, you know, that help you feel happy, the people that feed and, and, and build you up and lift you up. Um, even creating a space that is resonant with who you are as a person. I know that I am happier in an environment that's that's kind of tidy and, and where there's not a ton of stuff out. Um, not a lot of clutter. I like to gather stuff. So I, you know, that's, that's the tension between my love for getting new things and my, uh, recognition that I am happier in a space that is uncluttered and clear and that sort of thing. Creating an environment that honors who you are also means establishing routines and habits that, uh, feed you, that, um, create space in, in you for the happiness that you want. So all those things are part of what I think is the first step to being happy, which is recognizing, understanding who you are and accepting that person and building a life that honors that instead of trying to be someone you're not. The second thing that we can do to be happy is similar. Okay. Um, let other people be who they are, uh, expecting other people to be like us or to change, um, be- the things about themselves that we don't like is nothing but a source of frustration, anger, and ultimately deep unhappiness. Um, and this is true of, of anything about the other people, either in, directly in our lives or people in the world in general. It's true of, of wanting to change their behavior, their opinions, their attitudes, any of those things. Uh, it, it is a source, it's going to be a source of frustration and anger and disappointment. And ultimately it sabotages our happiness. When we try to insist that other people change their thoughts or their beliefs or their behaviors to match ours, I, honestly, I, I was thinking about this. I really think it comes from what may be an unconscious insecurity about our own beliefs and our own ways of thinking, a fear that if others don't think or believe or do as we do, that that somehow says something about what we think or believe or do. And I think we need to develop a, a, a quiet confidence in our own beliefs and our own actions, our own way of being in the world that isn't threatened by someone else choosing differently. I personally became much happier when I accepted the fact that other people get to think what they want to think, get to believe what they want to believe, get to do what they want to do. And it means absolutely nothing about me. And that's, that's a challenge. Um, sometimes for me, I have to remind myself of this off, uh, Uh, many times because I can interpret another person's actions as saying something about me or my value or their opinion of me or whatever. Um, and you know, sometimes this in the past, especially would fall in, uh, really come to play in my relationship with my husband. That thought would come up with, if he really loved me, he would do such and such, or he'd know what I want, or he would not do that thing, or he would do this other thing. And I had to realize it's simply not true. People, uh, feel differently 
act differently, believe differently, and it means nothing about me. Similarly, uh, people have the right to have whatever opinion about me that they want to have. And it, it, again, means it says nothing about me. It's all about them and their choice as far as what they believe about me. I, I remember hearing somewhere, I don't remember who said it, that what other people think of you is none of your business. And there's really some truth there. We need to let other people be who they are, think what they want to think, believe what they want to believe, and not feel like we need to change it in order for us to be happy. Now, this doesn't mean you can't set boundaries or that you have to accept from the people in your life behavior or treatment of you that's not acceptable to you. You can actually allow people to be who they are and still choose not to have them in your life. And so there's a, there's a balance there. It's really about what, what you do with the, it in your own head, whatever the other person thinks or believes or does, they get to do that. You can decide not to have them in your life and still not carry it around as a resentment or an anger or a, that's not fair. They should have changed or any of those sorts of things. So it, it kind of gets down to managing our own thinking, right? So we've talked now about learning to understand and accept who you are and create a world, a life that honors that, but also letting other people be who they are and not feeling like you have a right to change them or an expectation that they should change. The third thing I think that we can do to be happy is to practice being present. Um, and that is practice finding the good in the present moment. It is hard to enjoy much less find happiness in the present moment and its activities. If our mind is elsewhere, dissatisfaction and unhappiness can result when our minds are consumed with the future or rehashing the past. And, you know, I, this is something that I continue to work on personally. I often find myself, whatever I'm doing, I, my head is somewhere else. It may be in the future and that might be in the form of worry about something that is going to happen or that might happen, or it might be in the form of of thinking that, well, I'll be happy when X happens, when we get moved or when we, I get this different job or when, you know, one of my kids does something or when we finish the construction project, I'll be happy then. That's future focus. Uh, for me also, sometimes I lose uh, happiness in the present by dwelling in the past and maybe that's reliving the pain or the anger or the embarrassment of something that I did or something that happened in the past. I, and I saw something today actually on Facebook that really speaks to me in this area. And I, I wanted to write this down because this is something I want to remind myself of. Uh, and this is what I saw. It was a little graphic that had this quote on it. We all have a past. We all have made choices that maybe weren't the best ones. None of us are completely innocent, but we all get a fresh start every day to be a better person than we were yesterday. 
to me, that is such a, a good thing to remind yourself of, uh, something I need to remind myself of when I start to go down that path of, of beating myself up over things that I've done in the past that I regret, or when I go down the path of, of anger over a situation that happened in the past, we can learn from our mistakes in the past, but we don't need to live there and they don't have to define us because as this graphic that I saw says, you know, we all have a past, we've all made mistakes or done things that we wish we hadn't done, but we all get a fresh start every day to be a little bit better person than we were yesterday. And that's very encouraging. So I guess the point of this tip or this thing we can do to be happy in terms of practice being present in the moment is to give ourselves permission to be happy now rather than waiting for the someday event uh, to be happy then. Uh, to but be in this moment right now and look for the the good in it and give ourselves permission to be happy now instead of waiting. The other thing that we can do to uh, find the good in the present moment and to be happy in this moment and practice being present is to slow down a little bit. I think we, and I know certainly I, sometimes sacrifice happiness for efficiency, moving very quickly through everything we're doing just to get it done and get on to the next thing. And so one way to be happier now is to slow down a little bit, be very present in what we're doing, even if it's something as simple as folding the laundry, whatever it is we're doing, slow down just a little bit, be present in the moment, savor the experience, the, the sensations of it, the experience of it, and let ourselves be happy in this moment. The fourth thing that we can do, the action we can take to be happy is to stop comparing. Teddy Roosevelt is often quoted as saying, comparison is the thief of joy. And I, I agree with that. Uh, I read a psychology today article in which, uh, Amy Somerville PhD says, um, that her research has found that more than 10% of daily thoughts involve making a comparison of some kind. Uh, and I'll uh, leave a link to that article as well in the show notes so you can check it out. And, and so we go through our days comparing, ourselves to other people. Uh, we may be comparing appearance. We may be comparing accomplishments or actions, behavior, homes, cars, clothes, kids, jobs, all sorts of things. And we almost always feel we fall short in some of these areas. We don't often think we compare well to other people. Although even if we do, if we're, you know, doing these comparisons and thinking, oh, well, I'm better at this than, than she is. Uh, it doesn't make us happy to feel that way, to think that way. Comparison never <laughs> works out well. Now I think we can learn from each other without measuring ourselves by each other. And this goes back to giving yourself permission to be who you are. We can learn, you know, take tips on different things or learn ways of being from other people, but 
we can do that without measuring ourselves as better or worse than someone else. And so if we stop comparing, we can instead choose to live a life that's consistent with our own values rather than letting somebody else's life define ours. Uh, Another article in Psychology Today said something that I thought was really important on this point. Rather than comparing, this writer said, when you start to explore yourself and your values, you may discover that you've known all along what would make you happy, but you're just not doing it. To be happier, get clear on your values so that you can live your life autonomously according to your own principles and values. So again, this goes back to the first point of getting to know yourself. What is important to you and how can you live a life that's authentic and consistent with your own principles and values rather than looking to other people and measuring yourself by comparison to them? The fifth thing we can do to be happy is to surround ourselves with people who have a positive, grateful, uplifting approach to life. And I don't need to say very much more about that. You know, we've all heard, you know, you are the average of the five or however many people it is, people that you spend the most time with. If we are surrounded by people who are negative and critical and unhappy, either about us or about the world in general, we're going to tend to mirror that critical and unhappy perspective. And so if we want to be happier, we need to find those people in our lives who have an uplifting and positive outlook on life and, and, you know, pick that up. It is contagious. And so I encourage you to do that. The next thing we can do to be happy is to take care of your body. Um, It's hard to be happy, to be content and satisfied and, and joyful if our bodies are not well cared for. And so we've talked about that on previous episodes, but the basics are sufficient sleep, adequate exercise, quality food, those kinds of things. Lack of sleep definitely affects our mood, our outlook, our willpower, our our attitude, and so much more. There is research that shows sleep deprived people are more sensitive to negative emotions. We pick up on them more. This one article that I mentioned earlier, the 10 scientifically proven ways to be incredibly happy quotes a book called nurture shock, uh, in which the writers say, based on studies that they've done, negative stimuli get processed by the amygdala in our brain, positive or neutral memories get processed by the hippocampus, and sleep deprivation hits the hippocampus harder than the amygdala. And this, these writers say the result is that sleep-deprived people fail to recall pleasant memories, yet recall gloomy memories just fine. So we sleep helps us process our emotions, but the the part of our brain that kind of processes and internalizes positive things is negatively affected by a lack of sleep. So sleep is important for those of us who want to be happy. 
another article that I will link to in the uh, show notes gave some really practical ideas on how to build a better sleep routine. And they start with suggesting that we keep a journal, uh, keep track of how many hours of sleep we get each night and how rested we feel when we wake up uh, the next morning. They also recommend going to bed and waking up at around the same time every day, including weekends. So create that that routine that our, our bodies will adjust to. Uh, they recommend reserving the hour before bed as a quiet time. Do something that relaxes you. Take a bath, read something relaxing, uh, and avoid heavy eating. Um, keep your bedroom dark, cool, and quiet, invest in some good bedding and limit naps. So if you have to take a nap during the day, try to limit it to 20 minutes is what they recommend. They also mentioned that if you consistently have problems sleeping, uh, you should talk to your doctor because you might have a sleep disorder and it'd be worth checking that out. So part of taking care of our body is getting enough sleep because of the, all the impacts that it has, but specifically it's harder to be happy if you're not getting enough sleep. Similarly, getting adequate exercise, moving your body is important. Uh, that same Healthline article said regular exercise helps reduce stress anxiety and symptoms of depression while boosting self-esteem and happiness. And you don't have to do a ton of exercise. Even a small amount of physical activity can uh, make a difference in our mindset and our happiness. So get up and go for a walk, move your body in some way every day. If you can get outside to go for a walk, that would be even better because the fresh air and the sunshine can help. Plenty of studies out there show uh, that those who spend time in nature get a boost in their overall sense of well-being and happiness. So moving your body is in, an important part of, of taking care of yourself for happiness. And finally, quality food. Fueling our body well affects our mindset. And certain foods can uh, actually contribute to a better mood because they of the hormones that they release. So um, the article I was just mentioning talks about how carbohydrates release serotonin, uh, which is a feel-good hormone. Uh, lean meats, poultry, legumes, and dairy are high in protein, which uh, reduce dopamine and norepinephrine, which also boost energy and concentration. And they remind us that highly processed foods tend to leave you feeling down, as does skipping meals. So eating well can help us be happy. The next suggestion I have is um, if we want to be happy, is to guard your mind. Be very intentional about what you feed it. So we've talked about taking care of your body, but you need to take care of your mind as well and be intentional about what you put into it, the, the inputs. Social media, for instance, feeds discontent and unhappiness. We've talked about this many times in the past uh, about how we see the highlights, you know, the, the, the highlights reel of people's lives in social media. And if we measure our day-to-day -day life against that, you know, comparison again, uh, we're going to end up feeling discontented and feeling like we don't measure up and everybody else is having a, a happier, better life than we are. So 
measure, I guess, be, be thoughtful about your participation in social media, especially if you want to be happier, make time each day for some kind of uplifting content, maybe a book that inspires you or scriptures. If you're a person of faith or a movie that makes you laugh, those sorts of things can help boost your happiness and certainly avoid participating in negative gossip or complaining sessions. Those things feed our minds a a diet of negativity, and we don't need that if we want to be happy. Another suggestion, if we want to be happy, another thing we can do is do kind things for other people. They get the benefit of it, but so do you. For instance, studies have shown that people who volunteer for the benefit of others are happier. Um, uh, a a university of Pennsylvania professor named Martin Seligman wrote a book called flourish a visionary new understanding of happiness and well-being. And he explains that helping others can improve our own lives. Scientists have found, he says that doing a kindness produces the single most reliable momentary increase in well-being of any exercise we have tested. So he talks about various studies that have been done that promote happiness and, and well-being and doing a kindness to it for another person is, as he put it, the single most reliable momentary increase in well-being. So do something kind, look for opportunities to compliment someone else. You know, if you're in an elevator with another woman and you like her sweater or her shoes or whatever, say so instead of just thinking it, look for those opportunities to, uh, in interactions in public, both with strangers and the people, you know, to say something nice, to do something kind, maybe create a habit of doing something kind for someone else each day, whether that's someone in your own household or a stranger, it will contribute to your own sense of well-being and your own happiness if you're doing something kind for someone else. So those um, the, the, are kind of the, the things that came to mind. The articles that I'm linking to in the show notes have other suggestions. But the last thing that really was one of the first things that I thought about when I thought about this topic, uh, the thing that we can do to be happy is to understand really deeply internalize this idea that your happiness is entirely within your own control. This is a lesson I wish I had learned many, many years ago because I spent decades believing my happiness was dependent on things outside myself, whether it was how Mike treats me or how my kids behaved or what other people thought of me or what kind of house I lived in or what job I had. It was a revelation to me to learn the truth that my happiness or the lack thereof is not created by my circumstances, but by my own thinking. So it is not my circumstance that makes me happy or unhappy, but what I think about my circumstance that does it. This is a huge relief to me. And it 
is incredibly empowering because while I cannot control my circumstances all the time, and I certainly can't control other people, I can control my own thinking. I'm not saying it's easy to do that, especially for those of us who have built a lifetime of habits of thinking certain ways, but controlling my own thinking is far more doable than changing my circumstances or changing other people. And we've talked about this in the past and one source or one uh, person who's been a huge influence on my thinking about this and my realization that I can control my thinking and therefore control how I feel is Brooke Castillo, who I've mentioned before. Uh, She is a coach, a master life coach. She has a, a, a training program for coaches. I have not gone through a training. I've never met her. Uh, I don't know her personally, but I've been very influenced by her podcast, the life coach school podcast, which as I've said before, is not a podcast just for people who want to be life coaches, but for anyone who wants to be happier, who wants to understand how Uh, how to be happy, how to be more productive, how to manage our own minds and what an impact that can have. So I encourage you to check out her podcast if you have not already. And we'll put a link in the show notes for that. Joshua Becker in his um, uh, Becoming Minimalist blog said it this way, the most important thing to realize about happiness is that it is not an outcome of current circumstances. Just the opposite. Happiness is a choice. Is this easier on some days than others? Absolutely. But if you get caught in the trap of thinking your circumstances need to change before you can be happy, you'll never ever get there. Happiness is a choice. And it's a choice we have to make over and over and over again. But like anything else, we can create a habit of being happy if we're willing to do the work of of managing our own thinking. It is not our circumstances that create, uh, that, that make us happy or unhappy. It is our own thinking about it. And we don't have to wait for our circumstances to change in order to be happy. I I really appreciated this about Joshua, uh, from, from Joshua on his blog. And in case you don't remember, we talked about his book, The Minimalist Home, as part of our recurring productive reading series in episode 324. So you might want to check that out. So again, I'm going to say this, read his quote again, because I just think it's so important The most important thing to realize about happiness is that it is not an outcome of current circumstances, just the opposite. Happiness is a choice. Not always easy, as he says, but if you get caught in the trap of thinking your circumstances need to change before you can be happy, you'll never, ever get there. So we can create the habit of being happy by the things we choose to do, by the things we choose to think about. We can practice gratitude. We can practice looking for the positive. We can practice thinking kindly toward others and toward ourselves. All of those things will help us develop that habit of being happy. 
So pay attention to your self-talk. Learn to be aware of the stories you tell yourself about the events you experience and what they say about you. For those of us who feel like we're pessimistic by nature, this might be hard, but we can create new habits, new neural pathways that lead toward happiness. We can retrain our minds to think in ways that produce happiness. And I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to see what good news it is that our happiness is within our own control. So those are my thoughts on things we can do to be happy uh, and why it matters to uh, those of us who want to live lives that matter and be productive. But what do you think? What have you learned about how to be happy? Or is there an area where you struggle? I'd love to hear from you about this. You can share your questions or your thoughts about this topic in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find by going to theproductivewoman.com slash 341 or post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. If you are a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, Uh, which is that private Facebook group just for women who listen to this podcast. Uh, That's a great place for us to have this conversation. If there's an area where you're struggling to be happy, um, reach out. There are women in the community who would love to come alongside and encourage you. Or if you've got a tip for those of us who want to be happier, things that you've done to help you in that area, share that as well. Of course, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can do that by emailing your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I think that's it. Remember, if you're not already using Text Expander to save time and be more productive in your written work and to stay more consistent in your messaging, visit textexpander.com/podcast to learn more about this essential tool and to get 20% off your first year. And thank you so much to Text Expander for their longtime support of the productive woman and for helping me even longer than that to be more productive. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope you feel like it was time well spent. I hope you found something in it that is helpful to you. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.